Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Monday edition of The Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky, and I am Michael Borky all by myself. As it turns out, uh, this is how it is going to be for maybe always. I don't know. I have no idea. But for now, uh, you're just stuck with me. But I'm glad you're with me nonetheless. And uh, let's get started. So Ole Miss loses to Auburn on the Plains. 31-20 was the final score. Pretty frustrating night for a lot of reasons uh, for Ole Miss, but uh, just could not get it done. A lot of things did not go Ole Miss's way. Matt Corral injured. Well, you thought it was a significant injury, and it still might be, although... You know, Lane Kiffin today said he did not practice today, but still sounds like he is going to play. Lane used the same line he used before the LSU game and said, you know, come see a top 25 team and Matt Corral play. So even though he did not practice today, sounds like he's going to give it a go. Either way, you thought he was injured, looked bad, came back, played well, made a bad mistake. Kiffin talked about that some today. And I'll get to all that here in a little bit. But that's what we're talking about today. Ole Miss's loss to Auburn. And what they do from here. Liberty this weekend, 11 a.m. Not going to be a great crowd. Not going to be a great environment, honestly. I mean, you know, 11 a.m.s are never ideal for that anyway. But uh, regardless, so that's coming up this weekend. A lot to talk about when it comes to Liberty and Hugh Freeze and all that. And I'll save that for later this week. But I will start this week by saying if you are quote-unquote afraid of this team or you think somehow Ole Miss should be scared of Liberty or you are worried about this game, you have not watched them play. Or you are over-inflating Hugh Freeze's coaching ability. No doubt he's a good coach. He cannot make his players that are going to be completely and totally overmatched against Ole Miss be better. It's just not possible when you're so overmatched, especially at the lines of scrimmage, which they will be, to make it interesting. Malik Willis might make it uncomfortable, whatever. But if you're one of those people that's like scared about this game, I have never been more confident of an Ole Miss win against a non-FCS team in my life than I am about this one. It won't be close. I've watched more Liberty than I'd care to admit, and it won't be close. But more on that stuff and the storylines, Hugh Freeze returning all that crap that we got to talk about this week. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But first, Ole Miss, again, loses uh, 31-20. Matt Corral was 21-37 of 37 in the game, 290 yards through the air. No touchdowns. His first game without a touchdown in, I think, nine? No, is it 19 games? I think that's right. Uh, either way, 21 of 37 for 290, had that one interception, really bad decision. Altmeyer completed all five of his passes for 18 yards, looked looked pretty good, you know, looks capable uh, coming in off the bench for Corral. You know, those numbers aren't eye-popping when you're averaging four yards per completion, you know, it's nothing to write home about, but he looked a hell of a lot more comfortable in this game than he had in his previous appearances. Uh, Henry Parrish averaged 4.8 per carry, he had 57 yards. Connor averaged 4.7 per carry. 4.7 per carry and had 47 yards. Matt Corral had 45 himself. Uh, Jerry Neenley only had three carries in the game, and Kiffin said today that's 
really only because the RPO reads were were to throw instead of handoff. It wasn't like a we're not trying to give it to Ely thing. It was a the looks that Auburn was giving them was for Corral to pull and throw the football, and that's why Ely didn't have that many carries. So for whatever that's worth, Jacor Pearson was really good. He was really good in the game. That was one bright spot. Uh, especially after his struggles in Knoxville, seven receptions, 135 yards. That's 19 per. He was great. Uh, Casey Kelly uh, looks to be really reliable in the past game. He had 81 yards himself. Drummond uh, just 40 on four receptions. Uh, he's banged up, trying to play through injury. You know, credit to him for trying, but it looked like it uh, just became too much in this game. Where to begin here? This is so much easier with somebody else. Where to begin here? I think it's got to start with Matt Corral and his injury and his play. Um, I thought he was done for the season. I really did. When they put him on the cart and took him off the field, I thought that was it. I thought that was it for him. I think you could see in Lane Kiffin's body language that he thought that was done for him and obviously has uh, – grown a, a great relationship with the quarterback. They they are really tight. I mean, they've even described each other as friends. Like they are they're really tight. You could see that Kiffin was a little distraught even thought that it that was going to end his season. He came back. I don't know how that uh, that kid keeps coming back and playing through these injuries. I mean, he is I said it on Twitter and I, and I mean it. There's nobody in college football I'd rather have quarterback my team than him. Nobody. Uh between the, uh, the the ability, I mean, he's got great ability, uh, arm talent for days. If he's not a first-round pick, NFL teams are so damn stupid. He will be, but if somehow he falls, they're complete morons. Um, he's got the ability. He's got the grit. We saw it in Knoxville with running 30 times and, and playing through injury, and then you saw it on Saturday night getting hurt, getting carted off the field, coming back and playing well, and then their leadership. I mean, after the game, multiple times, blamed himself entirely. Said he didn't play well enough. Uh, there were throws that he could have made that he didn't, and the loss is entirely his fault. And everybody knows there's no shot that that game is his fault, but yet that's he took complete ownership of it. He's playing with two bad legs at this point. He's playing with walk-ons at wide receiver and his backup quarterback at wide receiver, his former backup quarterback at wide receiver. Um two offensive linemen in front of him are hurt. Uh, he's got no help whatsoever, and yet he still produces and puts up numbers and takes full responsibility for things that are not his fault. Kid's a leader, he's gritty, and he's got incredible ability. He's special. That's why that's. I know some of you get really annoyed with how much I talk about him, but it's just another example of how unique and how special Matt Corral is. He's unique. To Ole Miss, he's unique to some degree in college football. There, there aren't many people that are built like him. A lot of great quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks that are better than him, that have been better than him, that have come through college football. But, man, he's a total package. And, and these kind of players just don't come through your program very often. And, and even in a loss and even making a bad decision, really, uh, that that – could have changed the game if he doesn't throw that interception, but he did. And across his body, across the field, Kiffin talked about it today. You know, he said he felt like it was a situation where he feels like he has to, you know, make hero plays because he has no help right now. Um, it's only his second interception of the year, by the way. 
uh, both of which came on the road. Um, that's it. <laughs> I mean, he, he's really improved in that regard, but um, even through that, one of the fourth downs, he, he threw the ball at Casey Kelly's feet. You know, could not move the chains there. Bad throw. Missed a couple of throws he usually makes. Even through that, I came away from this game admiring him more than I did going into it. I mean, that, that's um, that's just the reality. So I'll start with a semi-positive with you. I know he's banged up. Sounds like he's going to play this weekend. But there's just another example of your quarterback being special. He, he is unique. He's special. He battles for you. And it's a tough night. But, you know, I, I expect as long as he can get some help, I expect he's going to have a great close to the season and be a top 15 draft pick because that's what he deserves. On that note, a lot has been made, justifiably so. A lot has been made about the three injured, no, excuse me, the red zone offense. They were awful in the red zone. And fourth down decisions, a handful of them, are questionable. And Kiffin kind of admitted that if he could do it over again, he would kick field goals in at least two of those situations. It's really hard, though. I, I mean, I, I saw, I read something that was really hypercritical of the red zone offense. It wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to tell you it was good. It is very difficult, though, to score in the red zone without your three best wide receivers. Find me a team in America. Seriously. Find me a team in America that could lose their three best wide receivers and two offensive linemen and go to Jordan-Hare and win. Oh, and their quarterback has two bum ankles. So, so two bum ankles with the quarterback. Their three best wide receivers gone. Starting tight end for good measure, gone. And two offensive linemen not playing. Hurt in the game. Or one's out for the season. Not playing. How many teams could go to Jordan-Hare and win with that being their situation? Yes, the red zone offense was really bad. Uh, yes, you can question some of the fourth down decisions. The fourth and six is one that I especially did not like. And then there at the end, when you're stopped at fourth down and you need to kick a field goal anyway, you need to score twice anyway, you should have gone ahead and taken the points there. The other one that people are criticizing, the play call was money. Matt Crowell just didn't execute. Play call was money. You can question all those things, justifiably so. But how many teams can continue being the offense that they are with all of that being the case? Right now, I think Ole Miss's issue and in, in their issue for the last few weeks is they don't have the depth yet to sustain something like that. And like the point I was just making, few teams do. Nobody really does. I mean, I don't know if Alabama could could be the same with that situation. Ohio State could not be the same with that. Oklahoma could not be the same with that. I mean, nobody could. Nobody. So there's, there's hyper-criticism of the red zone offense. I get it. There's hyper-criticism of the fourth down decisions. I certainly get those. It's really hard to do what they do down what they're down. Where John Rice Plumley, and I know you guys love him, 
and and he's a great kid and all that. He's not ready to have the role that he had on Saturday. He's not ready for that yet. He's got too much that he has to do before he can be a primary receiver lining up in the slot for an entire game. Like he's not ready for that situation yet. You have a walk-on in Pearson, who was supposed to be the team's fourth guy, you know, and your former quarterback at wide receiver and Chad Kelly's little brother at tight end. And that's condescending. He's actually done very well. But you get my point. What else can you, I mean, what what else do you expect in a game like this? They have got to get healthy. They have got to get healthy on the offensive line, but they have got to get healthy at wide receiver. Luckily, they they don't need them this week to win this game. But if they're going to have a chance at 10-2 and two and making an access bowl, like I, I think they still have a chance to do, they have got to get healthy. They have got to find a way to get Braylon Sanders back on the field. And hopefully with a week's rest, a week off, Drummond back on the field as well. So many things change if those two guys are available to play and healthy. I mean, Drummond's tried, but he's not been healthy. So much changes for that offense. And now Pearson looks like he's kind of coming to his own. They just need those two guys back. And I think every game remaining on their schedule is more than winnable. Hell, they're going to beat Liberty. They're going to beat Vanderbilt. They can beat Texas A&M. They can beat Mississippi State if those guys are healthy. They just got to get there. They just have to get there. So I understand the criticism. I mean, you guys know me. I'm not going to rehash what I think about the fourth down decisions. I think I'd rather have a coach, forgive my language, that coaches with coaches with some balls uh, than the alternative. Uh, if you're given a choice between what you had before Kiffin and Kiffin, uh, give me that one 100 times out of 100. Even if they're questionable decisions, I would rather a guy go for it the way they do on fourth down because they're really good at it. Their percentages are fantastic. They're really good at it, and it puts so much pressure on defenses. I'd rather that and sometimes deal with it when it goes wrong than have somebody that's super conservative and kicks field goals all the time and does not have that. Some people are calling it reckless. Sure. I, I, I mean, I, I hear that. I understand that. I, I think it's fair to criticize it. The fourth and six, especially, I thought was a really bad decision. There at the end of the game, I thought was a bad decision. But sometimes you get that with somebody that coaches the way Kiffin does. And just remember, if you're going to be critical of what happened in Auburn, just know that that style of play and that mentality is also what's winning games for you as well. For whatever that's worth. But you guys know how I feel about it. After the Alabama game, I just make the same arguments. So no need to rehash that. The defense uh, gave up touchdowns on four of Auburn's first five possessions and then three points for the rest of the game. Three points in the second half for Auburn. That is the third week in a row uh, where Ole Miss's defense has played well enough to win games. And they they have won two of them. But, I mean, I I know, trust me, I, I was thinking the same thing watching the first half that what the hell happened. And yet again, it Sam Williams got a lot of pressure. They played well. I mean, Bo Nix's numbers and and Tank Bigsby's numbers look better than I think they actually were, to tell you the truth. Uh, Bo Nix had 276. Uh, Tank Bigsby had 140. 
you know, th- those are, especially the 140, that's a good number. But Ole Miss held Auburn to 4.5 per carry. Uh, you know, if you told me that they were going to have 31 points, 276 through the air, 200 on the ground, I would have said Ole Miss wins. They played well enough to win this game. Chance Campbell with the fumble recovery. Uh, I can't remember who made the strip. Um, but they hunkered down, made adjustments, and played well enough to win in the second half. This is still a unit and still a, a side of the ball that's playing confident and playing good football right now. First half was ugly, but that's why you play four instead of two, right? And the four was good enough to win. Uh, you should be really encouraged, or at least I am, by, by what I saw. Adjusting in the game and making stop after stop after stop after their offense could not capitalize on their red zone opportunities. They rose to the occasion, and the other side just couldn't get it done. But and that's a really big deal, really good sign for these two big games upcoming with A&M at home and the Egg Bowl in Starkville. It's big time. It's extremely important. And now it looks like instead of becoming like a one-off, you know, when they played well against Tennessee, you could have thought, you know, hey, they finally played well once. LSU, then, you know, hey, LSU's pretty bad. Now this is a trend. This is becoming who they are. And that's uh, that's really encouraging, or at least it should be really, really encouraging with uh, with how they played. And lastly, I, I, I know all of you were talking about it, justifiably so. The officiating in that game was so bad, it's indescribable, honestly. And I'm not going to—I know some people won't like this. I'm not going to blame the officials for Ole Miss losing because Ole Miss had too many opportunities to win that game, and they themselves did not capitalize. So I'm not saying—I'm not going to do that because when I watched a team get in the red zone so much and be unable to score at all— it's hard to be like, well, it's the ref's fault. However, that was as bad of an officiating performance as I've ever seen. It's terrible. And ironically, that came the same week Greg Sankey was, I think he was on Fine Bomb. There's a video of Sankey out there saying that, well, you know, t- taking the officials and making them full time employees doesn't fix the problem. And, the problem comes from the game being too fast and stuff like that. The same week where, oh, no, the game is just too fast and making them full-time does nothing, they have that kind of a performance. Uh, it was egregious. The The spot on the forward progress was especially terrible. Jake Springer was called for a, uh, a defensive holding, which was just phantom. It just didn't happen. Nick Broker was called for a holding on a perfectly executed pan, pancake block. It was egregious. It was terrible. And what I can't quite figure out, you know, as somebody that wants to be what I want to be in even the position I'm currently in, although it's basically useless, um, I don't think that I can cry conspiracy. You know, that's just not, that's not professional. The SEC, though, could stop a lot of the cries of conspiracy if they cared, which they don't care to stop it, obviously. They don't care to stop it. But if they really wanted people to stop questioning the integrity, you wouldn't have people 
that live and do business in the state of Alabama officiating games where teams from Alabama are playing in. If they really wanted to just get one, get rid of one talking point, one thing that points to potential corruption, just fly them in from Oregon or Ohio or something. The fact that you have people who have business, businesses, business relationships in the state of Alabama and finance and real estate and all this stuff, officiating games involving teams from the state of Alabama, it's just optically, it's a bad look, but they don't care. They don't care. I mean, if they cared, things like this would get addressed, but, but they're not. They're not because they don't care. That's not why Ole Miss lost. Ole Miss lost because they didn't execute in the red zone. They're banged up. They're, they're banged up to hell. And they're, they're a shell of themselves, honestly. But that was as bad of an officiating performance as I've ever seen. It was terrible. Inexplicable, honestly. Because they're just humans. Yeah, they are. Humans make mistakes. But those, mm, I don't know. It would be harder to question that if there were no ties to the state. How's that? But I understand why fans are mad today. I get it. You should be. I would be. But hey, doesn't matter because this has been happening for how long and nobody fixes it. But hey, you know, going to full-time wouldn't matter and you know, the game's just too fast now, so it's a joke. It is a joke. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. But anyway, tough loss for Ole Miss. They uh, fall to 6-2, and two, but they're still ranked in the, I think, top 15, right? The college football playoff rankings will come out on Tuesday night, and so we'll get a more definitive picture of what Ole Miss is according to the playoff committee later this week but still a lot to play for still access bowls to play for uh bowl projections just bowl projections today still have Ole Miss and uh various out access bowls I'm having trouble talking today guys um sorry but everything's still there everything is still there uh for this team I mean, ten and two is absolutely still on the table. Hell, nine and three would be a hell of a season in year two, regardless of how that comes. So, anyway, y'all be good. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I will sharpen up on the solo podcasting game for sure. But in the meantime, uh, check out absms.com, Advantage Business Systems. If you're in the Market for office technology solutions, anything from copiers and printers to mail machines down to voice over IP phones or cloud storage or data security. Give them a shout. ABSMS.com is the website. They service the entire state of Mississippi. And tell them, I sent you. Also, LB is just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Go by and see Greg and tell him I sent you as well. And um, it's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Also get one of their daily lunch specials. Those are Monday through Friday, but they're open seven days a week. Get something for the grill today. And in the meantime, you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you probably on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.